0: Going Linux, episode 416, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy.
1: And I'm your co-host, Bill.
0: Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux.
1: We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done.
0: If you want to send us feedback, our email address is goinglinux at gmail.com and our voicemail line if you want to send us something by voicemail is 19044687889
1: in today's episode listener feedback happy new year happy new year let's hope that 2022 is better than 2021
0: uh can't be much worse but you never know that's what i said about 2021 over 2020 <laughs> so we'll see how it goes um yeah. yeah so how just generally speaking how was your new year bill
1: it was okay uh, i was home uh uh sick thinking that it might have been covid but hopefully it's not cuz i never did lose any taste or smell so Hopefully it's just a nasty bug. And uh, so basically I was, uh, when the bell, ball fell, I was in bed by 8.30.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it fell it without me. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. You're sounding good. Let's just put it that way. So uh, hopefully you're as healthy as you sound. And uh, if you're not feeling so well, hopefully you get, you get better quickly. Uh my new year was uh a little eventful here and there trying to catch flights. I went to Texas to visit my son and uh traveling over any holiday is never a joy. So, uh to make a long story short, we had some flight cancellations, rebooking of flights and delays and all that sort of stuff. So, but we 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 made it through. Uh, we survived, and uh, like you, we went to bed early on uh, <laughs> New Year's Eve. So uh, we're 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 feeling good.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you see the ball would fall once; you've seen it all. <laughs> so yeah,
0: yeah, I've seen, seen it way too many times. So anyway, uh, from happy in New Year, uh, we move on to a sad topic. Uh, we have an update on Tom, and some of you may have seen it in our Discord chat and various other places, but uh, Tom has our former co-host. For those of you new to the show, Uh, Tom was co-host of the Going Linux podcast from August of 2007 through to April of 2013. And just before the new year, uh, in the middle of December, Tom passed away. Um, And I'll read a little bit of something that I put into the Discord chat. Just to honor Tom uh, during this episode, Tom began as a Going Linux listener who wanted to contribute to the podcast. I started as a Linux newbie who, due to his curiosity and willingness to try new things, developed some mad Linux skills. A running joke at Tom's expense began when listener and fellow podcaster Nightwise described Tom's experimentation as removing bolts from a jet engine in mid-flight. He helped many listeners over the years to solve their issues, answered many questions, and assisted many to build their confidence and competence using the Linux operating system. We will all miss him dearly, and we will post a link to his obituary in the show notes.
1: Yeah, um, kind of heartbroken about that. I uh, spoke with Tom um probably about a year ago when his health started uh declining and I stayed in touch with uh his uh his sister who would send updates uh tom was a a good good friend even off the podcasts we'd spend hours talking but uh i was thinking of of, of something that uh <laughs> that kind of made me smile about, you know, his curiosity. If you remember back, uh, Larry, um, Tom was having all these issues with his Ubuntu um, install, and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And uh, then you asked me, uh, which, uh, did you pave a nuke? Uh, this this was back when they suggested that you do that. You know, you could still upgrade, but you know, they're they were still working out how to do those uh, uh, upgrades without messing up stuff. And um, he had been upgrading his Ubuntu for like six versions. <laughs> Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. Upgrade
0: after upgrade. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so he, we're like, you probably need to nuke that. He didn't want to do that. I remember he wanted to see how many upgrades he could go before he finally would die. And I think he got to like six. And uh, it was he would spend hours trying to figure out what was going on. And we're like, oh, just, just just nuke it and start over tom but yeah he tom was uh was a uh, fun um a fun guy to be around and uh i remember i was having problems with a a mo- a, uh, a modem hey uh, yeah that's right i said modem and uh, <laughs> right and we could and it, it, We've worked on it, worked on it. Tom was saying, try this. And, okay, enter this and come to find out, you know, three hours later that it was a wind modem. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't get it to work. But we had a great time. I mean, stuff like Tom was always willing to help. And I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to dearly miss him. Um, yeah, He was a, a good guy.
0: Yeah. the The, the thing that I remember very very vividly is um the the thing that caused Nightwise to even talk about tom in, in the context of changing the bolts on a flying airplane was um when tom would uh do things like oh i don't know upgrade during a podcast <laughs> on the machine he was that. using to record <laughs> uh, it, it's just well i'm amazed that he was able to we should just keep that thing working let alone uh anything else but uh he was an amazing guy and like you said uh and like many have said we'll miss him
1: dearly he will always be part of the show and um yeah i'm just still kind of heartbroken about that um i know some of our long-term listeners um have probably talked uh, talked to him or sent him an email, and he's helped out people. Yeah. um, uh, Yeah. I just – there's not much more to say is that uh, he was a good guy, and it's going to be dearly missed.
0: Yeah. And our first email, in fact, is from Nightwise, who wrote a note about Tom. You want to go ahead and read Nightwise's email?
1: Nightwise wrote, hey, Larry. I just heard from door-to-door geek uh, the sad news of Tom's passing. I want to offer my condolences to you and his family. He will be missed, and I take solace in the fact that many of us will still be able to hear his insightful comments and his raspy, hearty laugh in the many recordings of the Going Linux you did together. He will be missed. Thoughts and prayers are with you kind regards Nightwise.
0: thanks for those thoughts Nightwise. all right well let's uh move on to other listener feedback shall we yeah okay our first uh well i guess our second uh feedback is from biku who wrote us about file permissions from our last listener feedback episode hi there larry and bill and the listeners a listener complained in episode number 414 about messed up file permissions and NTFS partition. Solution to this is relatively simple. There is a file called etc.fstab, so slash etc slash fstab. You can control pretty much every aspect of mount options for your drives. Yeah, we didn't get into that as a solution during our uh, last episode but that's a good point uh biku continues today i'm going to just focus on the ntfs partition now for example i i have two partitions with ntfs file system first is sda1 or drive one and the second is sda2 how do you know what drive your drives are called you simply run a command called lsblk space dash f so lsblk dash f and it lists all of your partitions and drives with all of the necessary information in a nicely formatted way. Okay, so on drive SDA1, I have some very important stuff, and I don't want anyone apart from the root superuser to be able to write to it. Everyone can read this stuff from it, but only the root users can write to it. To achieve this, all I need to do is to add the following entry to the FSTab file. You'll have to edit this with root or sudo permissions. He can include a command that's too long to read here, so we'll include it in the show notes. But the data in my drive, SDA2, is not that important, and I don't mind giving upright access to normal users for this drive. All users will be able to write and read from SDA2. I can manage this by adding an FSTab entry, like this. And he describes that in a command. And finally, we need to create those mount points. Open terminal and run this command as root or with sudo. And so sudo mkdir, so he's making a directory, uh, slash mnt slash sda1 and slash msd slash sda2. Pretty straightforward. Both of these entries will correctly set the permissions to 644 and the directory permissions to 755 I hope this will be of help to your listeners keep up the great work guys biku well thank you for that
1: and uh i uh since the uh we include in the show notes you can actually make sure that uh never put any commands into the terminal uh until you know what they do, but I'm sure these are. There's nothing nefarious about these. But the other part is it makes them real easy to you can copy and paste.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But be careful because if you have an NVMe drive on your machine or something other th- other than identified as SDA one or SDA two, these won't work for you. You'll need to modify them. And if your file Uh, format is not NTFS. You'll need to change that as well. So look up the details on the internet about editing an FSTab file and you'll find lots of help there and how you should be doing it.
1: Yeah. So our next uh, email comes from Highlander who told us about bootloader customizations. He writes, for a while now I've known that it is it was possible to customize the grub bootloader grub customizer has been used for years now recently i found that it is possible to also put your choice of picture in the background of the bootloader screen
0: yeah we should probably define this for new listeners so grub is the um bootloader that actually starts Linux on your system. And if you are dual booting or multiple booting, Grub is what lets you select the operating system that you want to boot to. So it is truly a bootloader. So continue.
1: Yes. While logged into your administer user account, use the file manager to put your picture into slash boot slash Grub. You will need right click on the name of your user account inside the file manager and then click open as root. Find this file folder slash boot slash grub. When you are in that folder you can right click and then click paste. If your picture has a .png file extension it should work reasonably well for you. You will probably get the best results by using grub customizer Thunar file manager and terminal command sudo space update slash grub without quotes uh, inside Linux Mint. Have fun. And okay. we have included a link to the in the show notes for group customizer available in the, the Ubuntu repository and a link to an article on why you shouldn't use it. The decision is up to you. We are presenting both
0: sides. (laughs) And we'll let you uh, read that for homework. And if you're not using the Thunar File Manager uh, or a Linux Mint, use whatever file manager your Linux distribution provides. And it should all work the same either way. But I would encourage you to read that, why you shouldn't use Grub Customizer before you actually use it. I'm not saying whether you should or shouldn't, but read that article gives you some compelling reasons one way or another. All right. A uh, listener called admin provided us feedback for Jim. Hi, first time listener. Jim wrote in about seeking a distro with default permissions to his liking. His concern is someone reading or executing files in his home folder Due to them being set to dash rwx rwx rwx. <laughs> if I understand correctly, 0777. In other words, <laughs> uh, anyone has permission to do anything, including ex- <laughs> executing files. Uh, that's what that permission means. This is very strange that he is encountering multiple distros that do that. I suspect there's an, you, there is a UMASC setting in his bash rc file that he's been taking along with him that's the culprit maybe or that the directories are all set with the execute flag to enable others to uh, access files with the execute permission he should run man login.defs to see how to change the default umask in the slash etsy slash login dot G E F S so that new file creations will have the permissions he wants and he provides a lengthy command string that we won't even bother providing uh, in the show notes Um, but you can look that up by uh, searching for UMASK U M A S K and reading the details about how to change Things in uh, in, in UMask and taking a look at that login.defs file. He also continues saying, Note, above UMask is a mask, not a permissions setting. I created a file that everyone but me could read and write. Uh, check Bash RC for overriding options as an alternative to set UMask, which is exactly what. Biku had suggested, so we're talking about a similar uh, solution here. He continues, I'm not sure I understand Jim's threat model, though, unless he's running a multi-user system and doesn't trust his other users, family, usually. Someone who's able to execute files in his home folder has already won and pwned his machine. Finally, I'd like to invite any BC-based, that's British Columbia-based Linux users or users in places containing a B or a C or neither to check out the newly formed BC Linux Users Group. That's a British Columbia Users Group. It'd be nice to have a group of enthusiasts who hang out online with and even IRL when possible. And the link will be in the show notes, but it's pretty simple. It is B-C-L-U-G, so BC bclinuxusersgroup.ca uh, don't type .com or you'll end up somewhere on an east coast linux users group in the united states so bclug.ca is where you want to go and i have been exchanging some email messages with uh, admin and helping to get that uh, website accessible again um so, I think we're set up. Last time I checked, it works just fine. So, you should be able to access that Linux users group and join up if you're interested.
1: Okay. Our next uh, email comes from Biku again, who wrote about elementary OS. Hi there, Larry and Bill. 415 was fascinating as always. Really enjoyed it. Elementary OS to me has always been like a beautiful woman without a heart and a soul. Gorgeous and attractive (laughs) from a certain distance, but as you get to know her a bit more, you start asking yourself why I loved her in the first place. I'll let Bill discover these oddities without going into detail. I'll give one hint, though. Start the default software mantra and try install installing a few applications from the viewpoint of a new user. Here is my take on the GNU Linux distros and who should try them first. Someone who doesn't know anything about computers and who hasn't used any operating system and he says Debian. An average computer user would be Linux Mint. Intermediate uh, computer user would be OpenSUSE, Tumbleweed, or Fedora. Advanced computer user would be Slackware or Arch. Expert of all things Gentoo or uh, BLFS. is. I don't know what BLFS stands for.
0: No, okay. I don't know either.
1: Master of Technology Universe Builds Your Own Kernel and other associated darn things. Sorry about the formatting or lack of it in this email as I'm sending it via a mobile device and they suck. Keep up the great work. PS Bill, what does seventy three mean regards Biko? Okay. Thanks Bico. Uh I've, well, I will I know what you're talking about. It Elementary does have some some quirks and I'll cover that one um this is definitely not gonna be my Uh, go-to daily driver, but uh, I wanted to test out and see what's changed. Um, I would disagree with some of your uh, suggestions. For someone who hasn't used Linux at all, I would not uh, suggest Debian. I would suggest uh, an Ubuntu-based. We here uh, suggest for brand new users, uh, uh, Ubuntu Mate, just because of its community and also its user friendliness. Uh, Linux Mint would be another good for a first-time user, uh, and average computer user. Um, uh, For intermediate user, OpenSUSE, Tumbleweed, uh, I don't... I don't think I would suggest that for an intermediate user. Maybe Fedora, if you're looking. But uh, I would suggest um, uh, Manjaro for intermediate and advanced users. And um, advanced users, definitely uh, Arch. Uh, Slackware, if you're feeling uh, like you want a challenge... Um, i would say arch is probably the one that they someone that who really wants to get in the weeds would want to use and for uh all things computer gentoo uh yeah i guess uh i tried it uh, and uh no not for me uh <laughs> and then uh, master of technology universe if, if there you, if you if you could uh all those they'll do it yeah, then it's what's that uh uh Linux from scratch. There you go. <laughs> it's basically you do everything. And, yeah, while uh, while
0: you were uh while you were responding I looked up what B L F S is and it's beyond Linux from scratch. And according oh. to the website, it is uh a project that continues where the LFS book finishes. It assists oh, wow. users in developing their systems according to their and continues on from there. So beyond Linux from scratch.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think I'll stay with Manjaro or Ubuntu. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have time to build an entire system from scratch. I mean, it's it'd be fun if you had the time, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't have that kind of time. Uh, and seventy three is a amateur radio uh, sign off. That basically means uh, over and out, or have a good night, or you know, see you next time. Uh, it, all those um, just are covered by 73 73 is just basically you're signing off and you're done your transmission. So yeah. thanks.
0: So basically it's uh ham radio for bye. Yeah.
1: <laughs> See ya. <laughs> yeah. um, what uh, I gave what I would th- uh, thought they should use for each stage of a Linux user. What would you say? Uh, Larry?
0: Yeah, I think uh, in general, I, Tend to agree with the direction that Biku's going on this. I think um, Ubuntu Mate has a place in there uh, for the average computer user, either, you know, alongside Linux Mint, either one would do just fine uh, for the average computer user who wants to use Linux to get things done, as we say, uh, but also for people who want to experiment around with a solid distribution that can. Uh, accomplish their work or their personal computing without having to mess around too much with it, um, but yet give you the power that if you do want to mess around with it, you can do it from within the the uh, distribution that you're using day to day. But the rest, you know, um, uh, and, and I agree with you, Bill, uh, Linux from scratch is definitely a uh, master of the universe kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I stay away from all things uh, based on uh, RPM because I have not had good luck. And anybody who doesn't know what RPM, it's the package format for Fedora and um, uh, CentOS and some of the others. Uh, just my I, – I prefer – just probably because I – what I originally start, started with, I, I do like the, uh, deb package format, but, you know, uh, Manjaro, uh, uh kind of won a little happy uh, spot in my heart too. So, uh, I don't know, I just, uh, uh, you can, I think one thing we do need to just say is that any of these, uh, Linuxes, um can be used by an new user, average user, intermediate uh, user, advanced. You don't have to switch your uh, distribution. You can learn everything you need to uh, and play with, uh, with any of the Linuxes. The only one that, uh, I would say is not a good starting is the expert of all things computer. The Gentoo, 2 mm-hmm. or Beyond Linux from Scratch or something like that, I think is, uh, something that, uh, is f- for someone that has plenty of time and a spare computer because I read the book, uh, or I read parts of the book and I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> i'm i'm for trying things but uh not that quite that much so you know any yeah. any any linux distribution can teach you um how to do um everything you need to know or and you can experiment with so you know if you pick ubuntu mate you can uh play around with that and uh for forever uh, if you want if you like that you know so you're not limited you don't have to switch to learn some of the more advanced features
0: yep you bet okay uh our next email is from jack who has issues with his address book and jack and i exchanged some emails to get him going on this but uh let's just read his email his initial email greetings bill and larry I love your podcast. Always watching for latest episode. I am preparing to go full Linux Mint. Not necessarily, though. Uh, Windows is getting just insane. My problem is address books, which, assigned from addresses, I use as a database for email address and information, as well as account names and passwords. Perhaps I could use a password manager for some of it. Generally, the Windows books I have can export the data to a CSV file. My problem lies with the Linux address books I have tried so far. I have not figured out how to import the data from CSV. Am I missing something? I do not see an important option. Command line still poses a mental block for me. Your help will be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Jack in Ottawa, Canada. So, before I describe what Jack and I had talked about any thoughts on importing address books. Bill,
1: no, because I don't use address books. So
0: yeah, I use address books online in uh, Gmail.
1: Basically, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, okay, yeah, my Gmail or my yeah. uh, my work email. Yeah, I have an address book, but as far as um, account names and passwords, I definitely don't keep any of that stuff in. Yeah. In my,
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'm not sure that a password manager is the right place to keep email addresses. So Jack and I exchanged some emails. First, I made the assumption that he was using Thunderbird based on the distribution he said he was trying. uh, And provided him a link to importing an address book into Thunderbird from a CSV file. Uh, And we'll include that LifeWire link in the show notes. Um, Jack responded saying, great idea. I never thought of it. Can you point me to a freestanding address book as well? And the only freestanding address book that I'm aware of, and there may be others, um, for Linux is the GNOME contacts application. And it is available in the, the Debian based distributions that you and I use. Bill, it's also available as a snap if you wanted to install it on Ubuntu Mate or if your Linux distribution supports or can support snaps. Uh, There's a snap for GNOME-contacts available. And essentially that does just what it says on the tin. It, uh, It manages your contacts for you in an independent database outside of the email databases where most contacts are managed by most things these days, like Evolution or Empathy or Thunderbird or something like that. But this is a an, a standalone contacts manager for Linux, and of course, although it's for GNOME, you can use it just about anywhere so uh there you go we'll have like i said we'll have a link to gnome contacts uh excuse me we'll have a link in the show to gnome contacts as well as to um the how to for uh importing uh, uh, contacts into an address book and it should work regardless of what your address book is or similar sorts of instructions for that okay there you
1: go don't you wish it was just they just everybody would agree on one format
0: (laughs) Yeah, but that kind of defeats the purpose of open source where you have the the uh blessing and the curse of many, many, many choices as to how you do
1: things. <laughs> yeah, but at least just uh, agree on this. At least one that everybody shares.
0: <laughs> hey, CSV files. Just keep it in a CSV file and open it. Yeah, that way. okay. There you go.
1: So Michael wrote us and he has questions about sound level dropping. He writes, I am having an issue in Solus Linux where the sound volume is low so I cannot hear Orca when I try to log in. Uh, just for anybody that doesn't know, Michael's one of our blind uh, listeners and he relies on Orca to get uh, running. He continues, I have been told I need to change from pulse audio to ALSA or pipe wire or something as Pulse Audio has a bug where it doesn't switch devices properly from switch between headphones and laptop speaker. How do I change from Pulse Audio to ULSA or Pipewire? I think this issue happens in Ubuntu Mate as well. Happy Christmas, Michael, from Home first, I think is mm-hmm. how you say it. So, Larry, does this happen in Ubuntu Mate? Because, uh i'm trying to think on how he would change that uh
0: yeah i can't speak uh, to solus at all uh and uh but 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 yes it does um it does happen in ubuntu mate uh and it doesn't by saying that it doesn't switch properly it doesn't switch automatically uh, uh. between sources it doesn't consistently switch between sources uh, is, is probably a better way to describe it. So my solution is go into the sound settings. And when you go in there, at least in Ubuntu Mate, and I imagine that it's going to be the same in most Linux distributions it has in my experience, you select the hardware you want to go to and then the output. So, for example, mine switches just fine from the onboard speakers to the headphones and back again when I want it to, but it doesn't switch between an HDMI output and the built-in speakers on my laptop uh, automatically. So I always find myself having to select uh, either hdmi or the built-in speakers manually so i routinely do this i just open the sound preferences go to the output tab and select what i want so it's not uh, a big process to do that and i would try that before swapping out the audio system in my linux distribution yeah. um and i think Any distribution, I could be wrong on this, but any distribution that uses Pulse Audio also has ALSA, the predecessor to Pulse Audio, already pre-installed. And so I think you're already using ALSA. Pipewire is something else. It's, It's related to the jack audio system one way or another, and that can get pretty complicated. So I think... Pipewire may be the direction that Ubuntu-based distributions are going to in the future, but I'm not sure that everything has accepted that yet. And again, I don't know how Solus handles this, but I would, if I were you, Michael, uh, just try your um, sound settings and manually switch if that's giving you a problem. Um, And i don't know whether the issue is that it is not switching to the output because your symptom is that the volume is low um, it's possible that it's set low in like each it's possible that because each output source, whether that's the uh, laptop speakers or HDMI, speakers or something else each has their own volume control it could be that when it's switching from one to the other that the volume for that particular device is set low and if you simply push the slider over or uh, increase the volume with keys on your keyboard for that output that it's going to work just fine the next time you select that output Um, yeah so I tried those before switching out the sound, you know, the, the the guts of your sound system, unless, uh, you know, you like tinkering around with stuff.
1: Yeah, and without knowing a lot about how Solace uh, handles stuff, um, yeah, I'm kind of at a loss on, on how they put that system together. I probably need to look at it again. I haven't looked at it in a year or so.
0: Yeah, but try the simple stuff first, uh, Michael.
1: Yeah, simple first.
0: Yes, there you go. Thanks. And our last email is from Scott, who provided us some feedback asking if he should be distro hopping. Uh, Larry and Bill, I have been using Linux since 2017. I am a Mint user and never used another distro. It is perfect for my needs. Surfing, web-based games, etc. My question, am I missing out by not trying another distro? Scott. Hmm... You may be missing some experiences, but if, as you say, Linux Mint is perfect for your needs, I would stick with it unless you want to experiment with some things. And if you have a spare computer, you could try distro hopping on that spare computer. If you don't, you could uh, try installing a virtual machine manager of some sort like VMware or VirtualBox or QEMU. And the way that I use that is uh, I have just installed from the uh, Ubuntu repository something called Virtual Machine Manager, which is their application name for what uses QAMU. Any of those will create a virtual machine that will allow you to install another Linux distribution without making any changes to your existing uh, Linux Mint. And in fact, you can run it from within a window within Linux Mint. And that would probably be the first step if you really want to try something new and you don't have a spare machine. And then the next alternative would be to dual boot so that you can switch back and forth at will. But that, of course, would require that you choose which distribution you want to use and can take up some additional disk space beyond the virtual machine.
1: Yeah, I would suggest uh along the same lines of what Larry said, just uh since you say uh mint is perfect for you and for everything you need, if you want to uh try different distros uh and your system is uh beefy enough, I would definitely go the virtual machine route. Uh distro hopping. Um I've done a lot of it. <laughs> if you've and uh as and now i pretty much i don't change my distros very often i still hop once in a while for to test things for uh just to see what's changed but as if it if linux mint is uh working great uh i would just i would say you're not missing anything uh, you'll you might see some flashy uh stuff from another distro and think, that Oh, that's so great. But then realize I don't like it as much. So Linux Mint's a solid distro. So if you, uh, if you like what, like what it's given you, I would say just use virtual machines.
0: Yep. I think so too. And it's really up to you. uh, If you want to experiment around, um, that's really your choice. Uh, I think in terms of day-to-day use, you're probably not missing anything. Uh, Any Linux distribution can meet the requirements of your perfect distribution, if you like. But if you do want to test around and see what other uh, desktop environments are like or what uh, other distributions do for package managers or, you know, especially if you want to try out RPM versus the Debian, and that'll give you an idea of how much Linux Mint has actually put in place to make it easy for the user to use versus some other distributions who may not have added as much polish, let's just put it that way, as uh, Linux Mint has done. So um, up to you, but we've given you suggestions as to how to do that without messing up your perfect day-to-day distribution of Linux Mint.
1: Yeah, also remember that there are uh most of the main distributions have uh a, a live USB um images that you can uh boot use use that to boot your computer and take a look around the uh what their distribution offers without ever touching your perfect uh Linux uh, mint. So there's mm-hmm. another option.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, good good thought there. Okay, Uh, I think that brings our episode to an end. I actually have an application pick based on a tip that I picked up. I think it was in the Ubuntu Mate forums or somewhere. I stumbled across it. It is Brightness Control 2.0. It lets you uh, adjust external monitors' brightness. So if you're using a monitor, an external monitor, or... Uh, Television as an external monitor, sometimes adjusting the brightness on the screen, is something you wish you had the ability to do from within the operating system. And this gives you the ability to do that. So it adjusts uh, monitor brightness and temperature. And we'll include a link in the show notes to Brightness Controller 2.0. Use at your own risk. I haven't really tried it out, uh, but it uh, promises to be a pretty good uh, uh, addition to your uh, utilities for Linux.
1: And I don't have an application pick, so.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, with that in mind, uh, our next episode will be a tribute to Tom. Uh, Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes as well as links to download and subscribe. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done.
1: And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinux.com.
0: Until next time, thanks
1: for listening. 73.